Okay. So what do you call yourself? Huh? Como se llama? Antonio Montana. And you? What you call yourself? Last November, it was announced that a remake of Scarface was in the works. Almost immediately, the blogosphere lit up with irate fans claiming that the spectacularly violent gangster picture from 1983 was about to be desecrated. Well, although the internet was but in its infancy in the 1980s, I can assure you similar complaints were expressed back then also. You see, Brian De Palma's movie, written by Oliver Stone and starring Al Pacino, is itself a remake. The original dates from 1932, and the ironic thing is that the original movie, produced by Howard Hughes, directed by Howard Hawks, and starring Paul Mooney, was every bit as, if not even more controversial, than the remake. Controversy aside, if you check the American Film Institute's list of Hollywood's greatest gangster pictures, you will see that while De Palma's version comes in at number 10, Hawks' original is ranked 6th. Someday, I'm going to run the whole of works, eh? Remember, those monkeys on the north side ain't so soft. Say, they're satisfied, ain't they? Why didn't they come and take Big Louie before we did? Listen, little boy. In this business, there's only one law you gotta follow to keep out of trouble. Do it first. Do it yourself. And keep on doing it. I don't have a problem with remakes. I reject the claim that they are proof that Hollywood has run out of ideas. If that's what you think, then let me point you in the direction of the other arts. Take theatre. New productions of old plays are staged all the time. The same with opera and ballet. Musicians have always covered older songs. Step into a gallery and you will see how painters have, for centuries, reimagined the same subjects. And while novels may not be rewritten, they are constantly being reprinted. No, when it comes to remakes, I prefer not to damn and reject, but to compare and contrast the films to see how they operate separately from one another. Yes, and that includes Planet of the Apes. Hawks' version was already larger than life, so what De Palma did was take that which was monstrous and exaggerate it to the point of grotesquerie. So yes, everything about the remake is excessive, but that is the point. And in making it, De Palma, Stone and Pacino took Hawks' movie and imposed their own vision. And that's the primary objective of any director tackling a remake. Make it your own. Gotta hide with that fucking chip. Come on, man, just get it up. Come on, let's do it. May you feel good, huh? May you feel good to kill a mother and a kiss, huh? May you feel big. Like you big man. Well, fuck you. What do you think I am? You think I killed two kids and a woman? Fuck that. I don't need that shit in my life. You die, motherfucker! What do you think I am, huh? What do you think, I am a fucking worm like you? I told you, man. I told you. Don't fuck with me. I told you. De Palma's version stirred controversy for a number of reasons, not least of which was its level of violence. And while the film was initially given an X rating, so controversial was the original that its release was postponed for almost a year. Producer Howard Hughes spent months in protracted legal battles with the Hayes Office and regional censorship boards around the United States. The Board of Classification said the film sensationalised and glorified the world of organised crime. Although it is extremely tame by today's standards, the 1932 version shocked, outraged and offended pretty much everyone who saw it. Here is American film critic and historian Leonard Malton. Everything is big in this movie. The, the performances are big. Some people would say over the top. 
but it's the kind of character they're depicting. He's not an ordinary guy. And he doesn't have ordinary feelings or ordinary reactions to things that happen. And the forbidden feelings he has for his sister, played by Anne Dvorak, are very well expressed, even though they had to contend with censorship of, of the day. And Hughes kept fighting against it and fighting against it, and ultimately released the film without the seal of approval. In actual fact, the film's release was one of the reasons for the setting up, just two years later, of the Hollywood Production Code of Ethics. Implemented in 1934, it was well-nigh impossible thereafter to get a film released without their seal of approval. And as for the gangster pictures that were released, they became less graphic, more realistic, and were all but replaced by crime dramas told from the point of view of the police. It wasn't until 1967, with the release of Bonnie and Clyde, that the gangster picture got back to what Scarface did best, present charismatic characters and deliver visceral violence. It qualified success when it was released. Thanks to MTV's Cribs, De Palma's version has since become a cult favourite. In fact, I was speaking with a branch manager of one of the country's leading music and DVD outlets recently, and I was amused to learn that the DVD most stolen off the shelves is Scarface. So this branch manager no longer stocks it out front. You have to ask for it at the counter, and I've been told you don't want to mess with the staff behind the counter. Want a flagcase? Okay. Come on. Okay. Do you want to play with us? Okay. Say hello to my little friend. Something similar happened to Hawks' movie. It was no secret that the 1932 version was modelled quite heavily on the life and crimes of the king of Chicago's underworld, one Alphonse Gabriel Capone. And during the making of the film, several members of Capone's, shall we say, coterie, made, shall we say, inquiries as to the tone and content of the film, which is quite funny when you think about it. On the one hand, Howard Hawks had the authorities concerned that the film would lead people astray, while on the other, he had criminals worried that they would be portrayed in a bad light. But the biggest laugh of all came when the film was eventually released. Capone, who was in prison at the time, sought, and shall we say, acquired his very own print so he could watch it at his leisure. What I find most interesting about both films is the way they treat the ethnicity of the central characters. In the original, Scarface is Tony Camonte, a Catholic Italian-American. But Camonte is played by Paul Mooney, that's M-U-N-I, a Jewish actor who was born in what is now the Ukraine. That irony is only compounded when you look at the remake. Tony Montana is a Cuban immigrant, but is portrayed by Al Pacino, a Roman Catholic Italian-American. His fellow cast members, Robert Loggia, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio and F. Murray Abraham, all play Cuban characters, but only one of the principal cast, Stephen Bauer, was actually born in Cuba. Bauer's real name is Esteban Echeverria. Why am I mentioning this? Well, given the ethnic shift that took place from the original to the remake, I'm curious to see which direction the next version will take. Could Scarface be Asian, African, Russian, Irish? 
I think so long as the filmmakers change not only Scarface's ethnicity, but also what he is peddling, it won't be so much a remake as an interesting variation.